The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. I'm Catherine Zox. I am your social worker with the microphone. Thanks so much for joining us on VoiceAmericaVariety.com this morning. My co-host, Lauren Beller, is off. I'm not sure where she's off to, but right now she's on a plane off to somewhere, so... Um, You'll just be uh, talking and listening to me this morning. We have lots going on. Got to get my IM up here. Hey, my, um, William, my board up, I'm talking to you. Don't have my instant message up here because I'm going solo, so I need to have some connections with you, my dear. Anyway, we have lots coming up in this hour. First guest is going to be Dr. Jan Hoisted. She's a psychologist, couples coach, and author. Maybe some of you know her. She has been practicing for 30 years as a licensed psychologist, educator, and coach in private practice. She works with individuals and couples at all stages, successfully teaching them to partner in relationships, long-term relationships, as uh, parents or in preparation for new relationships. She specializes in helping couples reach new heights of intimacy and love through personal and interpersonal creativity. So for all of you out there who are interested in maintaining or starting or working on conflicts you have in a committed relationship, you'll want to hear what Dr. Jan Hoist has to say. She conducts workshops and teleseminars all over the United States. She's been on lots of radio shows, television. Maybe some of you will recognize her. Uh, lots of experience. Uh, she lives in Minneapolis, Minneapolis, Minnesota. So Dr. Jan Hoisted, she's going to be coming up in a few minutes. Her new book is Romance Rehab, Romance Rehab, 10 Steps to Rescue Your Relationship. So as much as we all want it, uh, as we all know, I know it, you know it, there is no formula for the perfect relationship. If there were, we would all be in perfect relationships. But you have to work on it. She's going to show us how to work on it. There is, however, a solution, says Jan, for couples in conflict. She says there's a proven system that not only rejuvenates romance, but also helps build a healthy relationship. And what do you base this healthy relationship on commitment support, adventure, and joy. We all need joy in our lives and adventure and support and commitment. So she's going to tell us specifically how to do this, and she does this in her new book, Romance Rehab, 10 Steps to Rescue Your Relationship. And you can go to her website, before she actually comes on the air to talk to me, to drjanhoistad.com. DrJanHoisted.com. Find out more about her book. Find out where she's doing her seminars, her webinars, her because uh, she's all over the country. So she's going to be the first guest. So don't go away because we want to hear what Jan has to say. And I know a lot of you are out there are in conflicted relationships, having problems, having difficulties. She's going to help us think big, dream big, and love big. Second guest 
uh, this is a little, I, I was going to say it's more of a serious topic. It's a different topic. It's all about kids caught in the psychiatric maelstrom, how pathological labels and, quote, therapeutic drugs hurt children and families. Now, my guest is Elizabeth Root. She's a social worker, so she and I come from the same page. And she's been practicing social work for 30 years in upstate New York and has just recently written this book. Uh, it's actually one of my pet peeves, or it is an issue that I have with the pharmaceutical companies, with physicians, with, with uh, people in the medical community who, if they diagnose children with all of the hypertension deficit, hyperactivity disorder, bipolar, and then they drug them. And I, I always wonder whether some of these professionals, as we call them, and I hate to say it, are in bed with the pharmaceutical companies because they make a lot of money treating these kids, first of all, diagnosing kids with these disorders and then treating them with drugs. So this book, Kids Caught in the Psychiatric Maelstrom, addresses just these issues, how, how pathological labels and therapeutic drugs hurt children and families. Now, Elizabeth Root... Uh, has a MSW. She's a licensed clinical social worker. Actually, she's now retired. So, you know, this is what you can do. You have all this experience and you write a book about it, right? Uh, she has worked, as I said, in upstate New York in five counties, worked in the public sector with children and families for 18 years. And this is her experience working uh, over the years with children and families and finding that most of these kids are being, a lot of kids are being diagnosed are labeled with these kind of horrific psychiatric diagnoses and then treated with drugs and medication. And uh, so a lot of people are benefiting from this, and I'm, she's not so sure, according to her book, that it's the children and the families who are benefiting this. But before we have our guests, I want to recommend a couple books to you because this is like, this is a perfect book for January where New Year's resolutions, wanting to improve your life. We all get into it in January. Of course, after six weeks, studies show that all our New Year's resolutions tend to go by the by. But here's an author. She's 30 years old, very exciting young woman. Her name is Gabrielle Bernstein. Gabrielle Bernstein, uh, who was recently described in the New York Times style section. So if you're in the know, I hope every week you read the New York Times style section. She's considered the guru for the next generation, or so they called her that. And her new book is called Add More Ing to Your Life, A Hip Guide to Happiness. So if you want to be hip, you want to get happy, and you're in that 20 to 30-year-old age group, um, you can do it. You can do it if you're beyond 30 as well. But anyway, she's the new hip guide. This is her new book, Add More Ing to Your Life, A Hip Guide to Happiness. Uh, the, and, and this is what we're kind of letting go of, I guess, in 2010. We're moving, emerging into another era of happiness and how to get happiness. The designer coveting, Birkin-bearing young women, a la Sex and the City, have moved on. They've moved on. They're no longer hip. Gone are the days when Cosmopolitans were queen, Manolo Blahniks, you know, those very expensive shoes, those shoes that can cost anywhere up to $1,000. I don't have any. But anyway, reigned, and ultimate happiness was determined by where you were taken on that very first date with the new Mr. Big. Now, and listen to this statistic, 93% of women ages 23 to 34 say that they would rather have happiness than wealth. Do you believe it? I don't know. These young women no longer say they want to be rich and, and marry Mr. Big or marry the 
Prince Charming, the wealthy Prince Charming, and live happily ever after. They would, because of being, you know, having wealth and having a, you know, a handsome, wealthy man. No, they, they would rather have happiness than wealth. And this is according to a 2009 Cassandra report. So how do you get there? Well, how do we get there? Gabrielle Bernstein is going to tell us how to get there in her new book, which is Add More Ing to Your Life, A Hip Guide to Happiness. Add More Ing. It's designed, this particular book, and you can go to Gabrielle's website, addmoreing.com, it's designed for the dispirited millennial. This fiery transformational book, it's called a transformational book, provides a new formula for a life you're psyched to wake up for. Bernstein, Gabrielle, honed her approach from her own personal experiences. She put the brakes on her unfulfilling and empty, fast-paced New York lifestyle. This is when she was in her 20s and looked within to find ing, her ing, her ing, a method for clearing the mind and opening a pathway for inner guidance. Uh, you can, she's sought after coach, speaker, and an ing master. I bet most of you haven't heard of an ing master before, but go to her website at moreing.com. Now, I'm just going to give you kind of an overview of the book because she has an equation for getting to that ing, for feeling good, for feeling happy, for feeling satisfied, she, and to feeling, have that serene feeling. Um, she says that there are three simple steps of this ing equation. Now, it's much more detailed when you read a book. She very specifically tells you how to achieve the ing. But the first step is you have to rethinking, rethinking, retell your stories and actively replace negative thoughts with upbeat ideas. So in other words, if you are thinking, you wake up in the morning and all you think about, I don't have enough money, I don't have a job, I'm too fat, I drink too much, whatever... Get rid of those thoughts. Retell your story. Tell your story in a positive way. That Get rid of those nasty beliefs. Don't let these beliefs overpower your new thoughts. If you lost your job, think about, hey, I lost my job. I didn't like that job anyway. I have the opportunity to get a job that really will satisfy me. I'm very smart. I have a good education. I have a lot of people around me who want to help me get another job to put me in a different position. So put it in the positive. Don't start lamenting over the fact that you lost your job and your boss was nasty and someone screwed you at work and that's why you uh, you know, weren't hired for the, or rehired. Rethink your story. Put it in the positive. If you start thinking positive, you'll start feeling positive about yourself. That's one way. That's one of the three steps to getting, uh, getting your ing, that ing equation, moving. You have to match up these like very positive thoughts with moving, physical activity. You have to it gets rid of all that negative stuff in your mind, and she has very specific exercises that you couple with your positive thoughts. This stuff really works, and it's a 30-day program, which you can repeat over and over again so that you're going to move toward a state of well-being and happiness. And Gabrielle knows from where she – because Gabrielle had a drinking problem. She did, I guess, some drugs. She was like – when she was 25, she was really – had reached the nadir of her existence. And so this is how she came up with this ing, and it has worked for her and worked for countless other people. So you have to match up the physical – the positive physical movement, actual positive physical stretching yourself with your positive thoughts, and that helps you get into your ing and your happiness. Um, and she has very specific, as I said, physical activity, physical things that you can do, exercises that will help you 
get sort of what she describes it as a makeover to allow a change in those negative aspects, mind and body, at your mind level and your body level. What you do is, now, she said in 30 days, you, this is like the third piece of this, is start by meditating. You have to meditate. You do this all in combination. Let go of the negative thoughts, replace them with positive thoughts, then physical activity, positive physical activity, movement, and meditation. Meditation. Uh, what you, letting go of the left brain's practicality, because the left brain is all about being practical, and let welcome the right brains, the intuition, the intuition, the creativity. Start thinking, be positive. Don't, don't let go of all that logic on the left hand. You know, I have to do this, and I, you know, multitasking and all these kinds of things and stuff that gets you in trouble and makes you anxious and overworked. And welcome the right brains, intuition and creativity. Follow, do a stream of consciousness. In you write, exercise. Uh, if you which gives you an opportunity to spill those unconscious thoughts onto the page. So you want to write about this. And then what you have to do is so you're meditating and you're writing and you're exercising and you're rethinking. And when you do all of this and you do this kind of in a third, well, we have, this is the book. We're going to take a short break right now because my next guest is coming up. That went by quickly. Uh, Jan Hoisted, psychologist and author of her new book, Rehab, Romance Rehab. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. There's nothing like getting involved in a great book. A lot of different genres have come to the forefront as some of the most discussed subjects of today. Whether it's sci-fi, fantasy, the vampire realm, or romance, join some of today's top authors on The Author Hour, your guide to fantastic fiction, hosted by Matthew Peterson. Get ready to explore the works with the authors themselves. Find out the how and the why and what inspired these geniuses of literary art. Tune in to The Author Hour, Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on The Voice America. America Variety Channel. 
Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to the Catherine Zox Show. I am Catherine Zox. I'm your social worker with a microphone here on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Thanks for joining us this morning. And my guest this morning is Dr. Jan Hoisted, psychologist, relationship coach, author, and presenter. She's been working in the field for 30 years, lots of experience as a licensed psychologist and a coach in private practice. Now we're going to be talking about her new book because her new book is called Romance Rehab, 10 Steps to Rescue Your Relationship. And I guess the key word here may be rescue. So this is what we're talking about couples who have problems and we're going who are in conflict and Jan has written this book specifically for to rescue a relationship so a relationship that's not going well nice to have you on the show Dr. Jan Hoisted thank you so much for joining us this morning thank you Catherine for having me All right so romance rehab rehab well rehab is the key word so we're talking about what is the premise of the book you have couples who come to you, I assume, or have come to you over the past 30 years. They're having problems in their relationship, and you have somehow developed this. Well, the premise of the book is that there are 10 steps that they can go through to rehab their romance. How do you so do that? In romance rehab, I teach about uh, a partnering style. It's, I call it big picture partnering. And this approach takes some of the confusion out of a couple's differences, their needs, their desires, which often get them into conflict. The book is also really intended to help couples who want to do some preventative work or to rejuvenate their relationship or to, re- or to enliven it. But the premise is, is how do you avoid conflict? And if you are in conflict, how do you work your way out of it by becoming really solid partners who put things on the table rather than between you causing causing problems. So, Jen, so how do you do that? Because I could name, including myself, probably most people that I know, at least at certain times in their relationship, would need your book because, you know, things you can go well at certain periods in your life with your relationship and other times 
not so well. So yeah, I think I think that all relationships get into tough spots from time to time. I start out by giving people an overview. I I show them four different ways of relating that they may or may not be aware that they're uh, touching on. One is a traditional way of relationship. Another is where couples kind of merge together as one. Another is where they feel like they're roommates. Oftentimes we get people in the office who say, you know, we're just our roommates. We no longer feel good about each other. And all of these have to do with how people make decisions and how they stay connected with one another. So in your book, Jan, you talk about you give them the tools to be able to to improve their relationship. Is that, at least that's, that's right. what I so get from yeah. they get, and, they get but, 10 basic steps that where they can actually work as partners in a relationship rather than doing the other styles of relating. And these tools keep them connected, they keep them um, uh, with the partnership as the overarching umbrella, then they can support one another's individual needs as well as come together and work towards win-win solutions. Give us a, give us a specific example, Dr. Hoisted, about a couple comes into you. You talk because you said two things. You, you this method is used for as a preventative method. It, too, not just couples who come in who are already married, they don't have the big picture and they're having a lot of problems. Give us an example how you would use this or give the couple the tools to be able to have a long-term, healthy, committed relationship uh, as a preventative measure. Would this be a couple who's coming to you before they get married or how does that work? Yes, oftentimes I do get couples who they're, they, they're in love, they want to get married, but they're a little hesitant. Can we really make this work for the long haul? Because they know that the divorce rate is so high and that relationships require a lot of effort and a continuous effort. So they would come in and learn the basic steps about how to have a good partnership and they'd put everything on the table and talk about, well, how do we want to work how do we want to work on money and how do we want to handle things like household chores? All the daily details which they're going to confront once they do marry. And out of that, they develop a confidence. They feel empowered because they know how to have the kinds of communications that can help them through any stressful time. This seems such a practi- this is such a practical idea. It seems to me that's something that should be recommended for all couples who intend to get married and have a lifelong relationship. Yet, I think the thing that keeps them back, and I had a big discussion with over the holidays with my family about uh, prenuptials, why couples won't write prenuptials, because they have mm-hmm. this sense of, you know, we love each other, this kind of, if we're in love, we don't have to do that. Well, this is kind of not exactly the same thing, but do you get this resistance from couples who are, or at least from maybe one, maybe one, one, one of the one of the people in the couple in the couple relationship will want to come in, the other won't because well, if we're in love, we don't have to think about the practical and the money and the kids and where we're going to live. We should just it will just happen. I mean, is that something that gets in the way of people really taking these preventative measures? Because I think it's real important. I think you're really onto something here. Well, I I think in our culture we do we're pretty romance based and. It, w- it is really good when couples realize that having a long-term uh, marriage, a long-term relationship, it's like 
it's like if everybody got a PhD in relationships, we'd all be a lot better off. We put a lot of effort into um, getting well-educated in our work life and we're good at our friendship life, but somehow we need to put relationship life right up there at the top in terms of learning how to do it well. Because in the, at this particular point in time, we have so many different styles of relating, and I think that's partly what causes some confusion. People may think they're working on the same page, and then they come upon a difference, and it startles them, and they don't know how to, how to approach it more creatively. And they end up maybe being more angry with one another or feeling disappointed in one another rather than saying, oh, well, this is, this is where we need a, new tools in order to come together, put it on the table, and learn to be very creative in how we resolve this so that we can meet your needs, my needs, and our needs together. So, Dr. Horsted, you're saying a couple will come in and they're just operating really on different operating systems. They don't even know that. They're in love with each other. They have the chemistry, all of that they have going for them. But with the practical stuff, are you saying that one may be kind of invested in a traditional marriage, the other one is invested in a different kind of a marriage, and they're just not on the same page so that they yes. can't really coordinate their, their, the, the goals and, and, and get rid of the conflict? Is that it? Well, that is it, and oftentimes it's a matter of that they don't realize they're actually switching back and forth between the variety of ways of relating. They may really want to partner. Most people will tell me that they really want a partner, but when push comes to shove, they may revert to being more of a roommate style because they that individual wants their own way, or they may become more traditional around certain kinds of things. There's nothing wrong with any of these styles of relating, except couples need to be very clear what which path are we on here and are we pulling our relationship in the same direction together that's why learning about styles and learning uh to, to, and talking together about what style and wh- are we putting our partnership above everything else so that when push comes to shove we both come together and we say oh we really need to put the partnership over this we need to be working together on this because this is a stressful area of our life and by doing that then they can trust one another that they're both going to work with the same intention in mind same intention in mind i think that's key and i also think that uh, this brings up the issue of, of values. Do they value the same thing? Do they desire the same thing? This That's is what right. you talk about in the book. Do they envision the same thing for, the, for their marriage? Sometimes they just think they do, and be, when they don't say it and they don't get it out, as you say, and they're not clear about it, they're right. really taking two, you know, they value different things. They never even realized it unless they get into the kind of session, well, what you're talking about, being able to look at the, the big picture partnering. That's um, right. What's the most difficult case that you had? Are there any, like, if, if couples have been going along, and some of people do, 20, 25 years, and suddenly they take a look at their relationship and say, this is not working, I'm not happy, the kids are gone, uh, I'm out of here. Do you have right now we're, right now we're Right now we're seeing a lot of couples who are older and who've been together for a while where um, the, the woman may have not said what her needs are for a long time. She may have been more traditional in her approach, um, and uh, the man might be very surprised 
when later in the, the marriage she suddenly wants out or she's very, very dissatisfied. There's actually a growing number of of marriages like this where uh, the the man says, well, she hasn't been uh, telling me about what she's unhappy about. I, I'm totally shocked. And the woman says, well, you stopped listening to me five years ago and I just shut down. And this is where it's, it's, it's quite tragic. And these people really have to work hard if they want to save their, their marriages. All right, so that would be one of the most difficult situations, but as you say, one that's happening more and more often. People are living longer. I think women are, you know, once the kids grow up and they're they're freer to go and do what they want, creates a lot of problems. Anyway, that we only have about 30 seconds left to go, so uh, I want to make sure listeners can go to your website, drjanhoisted.com. You can purchase the book, Romance Rehab, 10 Steps to Rescue Your Relationship online, bookstores everywhere. Find out where Dr. Hoistad is going to be because you are all over the country lecturing. And uh, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show this morning. Great. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks so much for being on the show. Um, Don't go away. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, voiceamericavariety.com. Coming up next, Elizabeth Root, Kids Hot in the Psychiatric Maelstrom. We'll be back in a minute. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart, but I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Are you living with passion, purpose, and play? Are you ready to overcome your fears, claim your power and purpose to make your mark on the world, but don't know where to start? Tuck Self, the Rebel Bell, will inspire and empower you to squeeze as much juice and joy out of life as possible. You'll find your passion, live on purpose, and do it all with a boatload of play. Join this amazing voice for Tuck Talk every Monday at 6 p.m. in the East and 3 p.m. in the West on the Voice America Variety Channel. Live rebelliciously and on your terms. Listen for MD Radio on the Voice America Variety Channel. That's Muscular Development Radio. Every Monday, your host, Sean Ray, will take you inside the world of bodybuilding and health and fitness. The show will feature Hall of Fame bodybuilders, trainers, judges, and the future champions of tomorrow. Plus, you'll be invited to participate in our call-in Ask the Pros feature. And our nutritional spotlight will feature products that can help you achieve your fitness goals. MD Radio is broadcast live Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. What is whole person healing? Via body, via mind, and via spirit. It's a dedication to the widest selection of healing practices worldwide whenever possible. Hosted by Professor Rustam Roy, a noted material scientist and the founder of Friends of Health, who will be here each weekend with the most in-depth information about whole person healing from the world's leading practitioners, spokespersons, and major supporters for this viewpoint. Tune in every Saturday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox. I'm your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com this morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, lots of good information here on the Catherine Zox Show. And, uh, my guest now is Elizabeth Root, Elizabeth E. Root. She's a social worker, and she's the author of Kids Caught in the Psychiatric Maelstrom, How Psychological or Pathological Labels and Therapeutic, and we're saying in, in quotation, therapeutic drugs hurt children and families. And she's been practicing in upstate New York as a licensed clinical social worker for many, many years, uh, worked in the public sector for 18 years, worked in five counties, upstate New York. She's had lots of experience with children and families. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Elizabeth. Thank you very much, Catherine, for having me. Uh, this is like a topic that I talk about all the time, so I'm so glad oh. you wrote this book because I think it's like a real sham, uh, and I'm going to let you do the talking, but oh. I really, truly believe in the premise of your book. I mean, most of these you know, kids being diagnosed with all these horrific uh, diagnoses and labels, and then drugged as a result mm. of it. Um, what's happening? How did it? And, and it's. I think it's getting worse and worse as, as you in, as you talk about in your book. So yes. let's let's uh, talk about the first of all the premise of the book, why you wrote it, and uh, okay. it's really I, I think a a problem that we need to address. As all right, around the year of two thousand and two, I um, became very concerned that so many children were getting this label of bipolar. And my concern deepened when I saw that the drugs that they were being given were these powerful antipsychotics uh, and uh, mood stabilizers, um, drug cocktails, very powerful. And I began to see children actually getting worse. And the worse as a result of taking the medication. Yes, as a result of starting on the medication. Um, and I want to be, you say specifically, because you bring up that point, 40 I mean, listen to the statistic, 40-fold increase, you're saying, between 94 yes. and 2003 of bipolar diagnosis, kids yes. 0 to 19 years old. What happened? Is it true? Well, I just, couldn't, yeah. I, I just couldn't swallow uh, that. I believe that, that this is not true. I couldn't, couldn't believe it. And uh, because the children that I saw that were getting this diagnosis, most of them had um, psychosocial histories that pretty much explained why they were so distressed. And um, there were other ways, there are other ways, much better ways of addressing the, the cause of this um, extreme behavior that we see in some children. The children are telling us something, and we need to listen. As a friend of mine said, we need to listen louder. These children are upset um, for good reasons. There have been so many d- drastic changes in our society in the last 30 years, exponential change, technological and, and environmental and especially in the structure of the family. There are so many reasons for children and families to be distressed these days. And to say that children are mentally ill and and slapping them with these pathological labels is like blaming the victim. 
Yeah, the children well, let's are the backtrack happy. a little bit. We're blaming the victim. We're taking these kids mm-hmm. ages 0 to 19 years old, saying that they're bipolar. Where does that come from? I mean, it's, it's, is it the, the, who's doing it? Social right. workers, psychologists, psychiatrists? Well, who's yep. doing it and why are they doing it? Okay. Why are we labeling these kids bipolar, you know, 40-fold increase? Why are we doing that? Okay, well, that's a good answer to that. Um, in the mid-'90s, a very influential group of pediatric psychopharmacologists at Harvard, very uh, prestigious center of learning, declared that um, 20% of the children that they were seeing in their clinics, in addition to having attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, had a juvenile form of bipolar disorder. This was never, this was never heard of before. Bipolar disorder was always considered an adult um, condition. Diagnosis. Yes. So this was a totally new idea. And because this group was so influential, it seems like the mainstream profession of the mental health professionals all wanted to jump on this bandwagon of, um, you know, using this, this diagnosis du jour is what it became, the, the fad of, of uh, labeling children bipolar. And everybody was reading, you know, books about it, and uh, there were other people um, you know, writing about it, people. Who... Are you putting yourself out on the limb if you answer this question? Uh, Elizabeth, what, uh, what, what's the reason for it? Is it because they're in bed with the, the, psychiat- the psychiatrists and these uh, institutions of higher learning are in bed with the pharmaceutical industry? If, they, if you diagnose these kids, I mean, think about the population and the monies that to, is... To... Oh, exactly. I mean, you nailed I it. That. You nailed it right you, there. Yeah, um, all these kids sure. have this diagnosis... The pharmaceutical companies have a whole enormous demographic group of people who are they can prescribe drugs to, lots and lots of money to be made. Well, what happened also um, during the 80s, uh, certain laws were passed. Um, certain changes took place in the structure of uh, between the, the governmental agencies, um, the academics, academic doctors, and the pharmaceutical companies. Previously, the pharmaceutical companies were beholden to the academic doctors and the governmental bodies like the um, federal U.S. Um, Food and Drug Administration and Centers of Disease Control. They had to bow to these, to these organizations who were protecting the public um, and making sure that the medicines that way they were um, marketing were safe. Well, a lot of things changed, and I can't go into all the different laws, but um, what the the end result was that things turned around and instead um, the, the Food and Drug Administration became beholden to the pharmaceutical companies because they were getting user fees, they were getting a large bit of their funding were coming now from the pharmaceutical companies and academic doctors were being co-opted to do studies for the pharmaceutical companies and, and were given enormous sums of money for doing this and having their names put on um, publications in the, uh, you know, the prestigious medical journals. So, yes. Yes. In your book, okay, let's say, you know, we we accept that premise, and I, I, I do, or that rationale or the information that you just gave us. So in your book, 
what do you tell us? I mean, is there a way out of this? Because it's not just that these kids are diagnosed with bipolar. They have that diagnosis, but as you said, a test, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I mean, you can go on and on. Those are the two biggies, but those are the ones that require a lot of medication and a lot of pharmaceuticals. So um, what do you do? How do you change this? I mean, well, as, as a professional, I mean, you are you're, yeah. you're in the mainstream. You're a, a licensed uh, a social worker. What do we do as social worker, as cl- clinicians? I mean, well, I mean you describe some of the answers in your book, so let's talk about some of those. Well, yes, um, as a clinician, I, I can suggest lots of alternatives to using drugs as far as the individual families are concerned. There's so many things that parents can do. Um, for example, um, looking at, at how these children are eating. Um, diet can, be, uh, can become a very important aspect of behavior. Um, so getting rid of some of the, um, you know, like the processed sugars and the um, additives that are petroleum-based that we find in most of the prepared foods, um, that's one thing. Um, ha- having children get some exercise. Children are so deprived of active play anymore you know they don't have very much free time to run around in the outdoors um, like we did like I certainly did and most of us um, my age when we were little we were you know after school we were outdoors playing and, and uh, doing health uh, that's things. an excellent point so if you have a whole generation that is not outside they're inside whether they're playing video games or they're in school and now they get rid of all the uh, the gym programs because they're too mm. expensive so you expect yes, these kids that's, with that's all that's... this energy to sit there <laughs> bouncing off the walls and then you diagnose them and say that they have attention deficit disorder yeah they're right. hyperactive when it, essentially right. they need to just go out and run out in the playground for a little bit right and it's not only that they did just get rid of excess energy but free play is crucial critical to the um Max, you know, to uh, maximize the, the development of the brain in, in ways that prepares children to learn, especially so in the early years. Instead food, of food, um, exercise, uh, perhaps you know, I have another creative, one here that I think about. These place. kids are so uh, are constantly exposed to so many different kinds of activities in a frenetic kind of way. You have frenetic mm-hmm. parents, mm-hmm. or even chaotic parents, wasting them to one, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one lesson after the next. That could make anybody crazy. <laughs> And well, that combined with their um, preoccupation with screen time and, um, you know, devices that they're technological devices, the, the, the um, computer games, they spend so much time in front of screens. And uh, Jane Healy is an educational psychologist who's written a couple of books about the effect that, that um, these activities have had on children. The fast-paced lifestyle plus the screen time, she believes, and there are, are many neurobiologists who are now um, talking about neuroplasticity, and that is how the brain, the chemistry of the brain does change based on experience. Um, and so the children who have been raised like this, their their brains are different. They've developed differently um, because of this ex- different experience. And um, Dr. Healy believes that the way the brains of these children are now is not compatible with the, the kinds of learning that, that they're presented with in school. They have trouble concentrating. They, they're used to this immediacy of the videos. Um, so we've and programmed that, our know, brains to do that, in other words, and we can deprogram that by doing the, the healthy kinds of things that you suggest in the book. Yes. And uh, we're going to take a short break because we've got a minute left, but when we come back, I want to ask you, 
uh, Elizabeth, about, uh, first of all, uh, you know, if we accept this premise, then you've got your kids and you take them to the pediatrician. It's very difficult for individual families, uh, parents, to be fighting the medical community when the doctor diagnoses your kid and says they need medication. I mean, it's not easy to do. I mean, for, for parents to do that. So I want you to address that when we come back. Um, we're talking to uh, Elizabeth Root, MSW, author of Kids Caught in the Psychiatric Maelstrom, How Pathological Labels and Therapeutic Drugs Hurt Children and Families. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, voiceamericavariety.com. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Total career success. What does it mean to you? Voice America presents a radio program dedicated to help you achieve your career goal. Even in times of economic uncertainty, you can achieve your financial goals. Whether you're a college grad, new in the working environment, or a top-level executive, you will benefit from the practical and proven advice on job search and career advancement. Join Ken and Cheryl Dawson every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for Total Career Success on Voice America. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america there's nothing like getting involved in a great book. A lot of different genres have come to the forefront as some of the most discussed subjects of today. Whether it's sci-fi, fantasy, the vampire realm, or romance, join some of today's top authors on The Author Hour, your guide to fantastic fiction, hosted by Matthew Peterson. Get ready to explore the works with the authors themselves. Find out the how and the why and what inspired these geniuses of literary art. Tune in to The Author Hour, Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on The Voice of America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening.
listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox. Thanks for joining us this morning on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. I'm back with uh, the author of Kids Caught in the Psychiatric Maelstrom, How Pathological Labels and, quote, Therapeutic Drugs her children and families, Elizabeth Root, she's a social worker, been practicing for many, many years in upstate New York, um, and a groundbreaking book, I would say, Elizabeth. I totally, uh, you know, agree with you. Um, you know, these kids are taking, first of all, someone's just joining us. I want to kind of give them a quick overview that uh, in the past 10 years, at least, kids, uh, the diagnosis of bipolar uh, diagnosis for children has increased 40-fold, and also 10% of American children have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, supposedly. And as a result of this, the, the physicians prescribing medication, pharmaceutical companies making lots of money over this. Uh, and you say, I mean, there's a, uh, first of all, that uh, there are a lot of reasons why kids would have this diagnosis, because some of them, they don't get the right exercise, the right food, all those kinds of things. But there's a real danger in over-prescribing medication for children. And that's a real issue here. Let's talk about that. First of all, what are the dangers when you're giving kids, when it, they're really, the prescription, we talk about kids and drugs, well, the, the prescription drugs and then number two, how do individual parents, your average parent, mom or dad, how do you know go against you know the pediatrician or the psychiatrist or whoever they're dealing with, or just the family practitioner who says, hey, you have to, you know, this is the diagnosis and it calls for drugs. Well, that's a lot of questions. Well, parents need to understand that all psychotropic drugs are toxic. I mean, all all medicines <laughs> medicines have a component of toxicity to them, um, and the you know the United States populace has been led to believe that the more medicines you take, the healthier you're going to you're going to be, and it's quite the opposite. Um, first of all, parents need to understand that they can say no. There is a federal law against um, schools mandating uh, parents to take their children for um, psychostimulant medication, you know, to to be prescribed that, um, and they can't be denied. Um, attendance to school because they refuse to have their children take uh, Schedule II um, controlled substance, which is what Ritalin and all of its relatives, all the psychostimulants, are Schedule II drugs. They're very much like cocaine, and there is now a federal law that says that um, schools cannot require parents to give their children these drugs, and they can't keep them. They can't say they, you know, they, they can't make school attendance contingent upon I want to take that. it one step. I, I, it's, that's, those are the facts, and that's good information, Elizabeth. But what about the parents who the physician themselves will make the parent, and mm-hmm. I mean I raised three boys, make the parent feel guilty, like you don't know what oh. you're talking about, so that if you don't give your kid this drug, you are really not being a good parent. Really difficult for a lot of parents to say, hey, I know best when it comes to this. Well, it certainly is difficult because so many parents are really um, influenced by the you know, the prestige the doctors have, that MD after the name to most parents means a whole lot and gives them a lot of influence. But um, the, the, what they need is information, and that's why I wrote the book. They need the information to arm themselves to to um, not put their children at risk of these toxic drugs. And they do have the right to tell the doctor that they don't want their child on drugs. And if the doctor is pressing them to do so, then they need to find another doctor. There are doctors out there. Um, 
even some psychiatrists who will respect the parents' wishes in that regard. And there are also um, good doctors who will um, recommend psychosocial treatments to um, alleviate whatever it is that's causing the distress in the child and the family. Yeah, and I think that's so important, Elizabeth, but I think one of the problems with that is we want and and problem with the doctors and even parents and even the kids a quick fix we're used mm-hmm. to this quick fix you know you know talk therapy takes longer uh eating well takes you know getting in a good eating regimen takes longer exercising and we have to get out of that quick fix menta- menta- uh, mentality of like i just can pop a pill and there's going to be no repercussions and then everything will be fine. So we have, we have to change our attitudes as well. well we, certainly have to, we have to change our attitudes against putting the problem in the child. Yeah. Again, we're scapegoating the children. It's, it's not the children. They're not the problem. It's, it's all these pressures of, of our social system right now um, and all the things that the children are up against and the families are up against. Most parents, you know, really do their very best, and most parents are, are very concerned when they can't spend the kind of time they want to with their children. So, you know, we can't blame the parents, but but they just need to be informed what their rights are, and they need to be informed of alternatives that they can that they can seek out. They so need to find a good therapist it's all who, about who will. Which is what your book is all. You know, it gives all this information. Right. Uh, and I think that has to kind of people have to get on the bandwagon for that. If you and I, I think one of the things and it, you you mentioned it. And I, I hope it's and I don't want it to be just in passing because I don't think that. We, as a society, or at least an American society, consumers realize that all medication have all any medication you take has a downside. Then, mm-hmm. when you give medication to a child, a growing body, I mean, oh. you really have the you know in a position where you can compromise the health of oh, that. Absolutely, that, yeah. And there is you know there there is evidence of that. Um, back in the year two thousand. Uh, there was a doctor, Barbara Starfield, highly, highly regarded. Um, she's at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Way back in 2000, she pointed out that um, there's a total of 225,000 medically caused deaths in the United States every year. A quarter of a million. That's, that's right. And 106,000 of those are from FDA-approved, correctly prescribed medicines. This was way back in the year 2000. This and is you know what, Elizabeth? I think that's probably underreported. That's probably underreported. And that's probably what a lot says, more than that. Well, now that's 10 years later, and she, being interviewed, agrees that that is an underreport, underreport even then. And now it's become much worse because... Um, the medical, the uh, pharmaceutical companies continue to, um, you know, carve up the population into promising markets, and children have become one of their most promising markets. So they seek um, new disease labels and new profits from from more and more toxic drugs. So they and they, you know, I they're doing whatever they can, whether it's legal or not, to influence doctors and in their prescribing habits. Doctors are busy people, and a lot of them are influenced by these 
these drug drug reps. Well, what about this? Not just when you go to the drug, uh, you know, the drug reps influence the doctors. But we have one more minute, and I want to leave it with this thing. But what about us as the consumer? And you turn on after six o'clock at night, all you see is pharmaceutical ads directed at adults as well as children. You know, buy, 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 buy these pharmaceuticals. It's all about the marketing. And we're the only uh, developed country so that allows that. You brought up a really important topic, as does your book, and I want to mention your book again, which is uh, Elizabeth Root, MSW. Her book is Kids Caught in the Psychiatric Maelstrom, How Pathological Labels and Therapeutic Drugs, as we call them, Hurt Children and Families, a really important topic. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning. Thank you so much, Catherine. Have a good day. Thanks. I'm Catherine Sox, your social worker with a microphone, and uh, you've been listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com, The Catherine Sox Show. Hope you had a good morning with us. We did with you, and we'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.